Well, good morning. We are um, returning this morning to Hosea, our third sermon in our sermon series on this book. And I'd, I'd like to take a chance right now just to encourage you to um, pull that up in your Bibles. Or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, obviously you can use that as well. Um, but we are in Hosea chapter 3. So if you're looking in, um, in, your, in, your, in your hard copy Bibles, Hosea is after the major prophets. And so you have Isaiah and Jeremiah and then Lamentations and Ezekiel and Daniel. And then right after Daniel is Hosea. If you get to Joel or Jonah or Obadiah, you've gone a little too far. You can back it up um, and you'll get to Hosea right there after Daniel. We are in chapter 3 this week. We will be looking at verses 1 through 5. However, I want to take a moment and just rewind back to chapter Excuse me. Back to chapter 1 and what we discussed two weeks ago, and it was God's call to Hosea. Hosea is um, an amazing prophet, but he's not your normal prophet. He wasn't told to only uh, proclaim God's word to Israel. He was told to show Israel how God loved them. And so what Hosea was told by God, he said, God said to Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. Go and marry an unfaithful woman who will continue to be unfaithful even as she is your wife. Show Israel that my love for them is just like your love for a woman who does not love you back. Wasn't much fun to be a prophet. Not a great vocation. I mean a great vocation, but not at the time. The point of this acted out prophecy was to show Israel, not only to tell her, but to show her how and what it was like for God to love her. And so Hosea obeys and he marries Gomer. And they have um, one child together. And then Gomer gives birth to two more children that aren't Hosea's children. And yet he raises them as if they were his own. And all the while he is proclaiming God, proclaiming God's grace and God's judgment and showing Israel what it's like for God to love them. And so then after a a brief interlude in chapter 2 and chapter 3, we now come back to this narrative, this story of Gomer and Hosea. And here in verse 1, there's sort of this ominous command. Something has happened. So God says to Hosea there in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Go again, go again. And love a woman who is loved by another man, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Go again and love Gomer. There's a very um, difficult thing, this loving again for Hosea. The implication here is that Hosea is finished. Gomer has left him. She's with another man. Hosea is done. Um, by all accounts, he has every right to divorce her. He, he is just, he's not in love with this woman anymore. The implication is that Hosea has lost his love for Gomer. He does not want to do this. And yet God says to him, go again. Go again and love her. This is a duty-bound love. Love her because you made a promise. Love her because you made her your wife. Go again and love her. Ultimately, the story of Hosea is not a story 
about God's emotional and passionate love for the people of Israel. Hosea doesn't have that love for Gomer. He doesn't have this storybook love that will chase her to the ends of the earth even though she is rejecting him and woo her back and they live happily ever after. That's not how this is playing out. It's very real and it's very raw. And God is saying, love her because you have made a promise. Just like I love Israel because I've made a promise. I've made a covenant that I will love her to the end of the days. And so in many ways, this is a deeper love that you're going to find in your run-of-the-mill romantic comedy, right? This isn't a, a passionate, emotional love. This is a covenantal commitment from God to his people that no matter what they do, God will pursue them and chase after them. And so that's what we're seeing here with God and Israel. Love Hosea, love Gomer, Hosea, even as I have loved Israel. Even though Israel rejects me, even though she chases other gods, even though she eats raisin cakes. Who likes raisin cakes? Chase after her and don't let her go. And so Hosea complies. Read verse 2. God says, go again and love her. Hosea goes again. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethage of barley. So Hosea goes and he finds Gomer. And the way he gets her back, he doesn't woo her. He doesn't whisper sweet nothings into her ear. He, he pays to have her return to him. Now, where was Gomer? What was she doing? Well, we're not sure. Was she a slave? Was she an indentured servant where she owed a debt that had to get paid off? And Hosea paid that debt and get his, gave his wife back? Or maybe, just maybe, she was with a boyfriend who was pretty shallow and was willing to take a bribe to break up with her so she could go back to Hosea. It could be that she had sunk so low that she was with a man that was willing to put a price on her head. Fifteen shekels and some barley. That's nothing. Hosea buys her back. He ransoms her. He says, I am so committed to you that I will give something. I will pay a cost. I will pay a price so that you can be my wife. And once she's back here in verses 3 and 4, things change. Things have to change. They they can't go on like this. So Hosea said to her there in verse 3, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be with you. Things are going to change with Hosea and Gomer. So it is with Israel. Verse 4. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. If Hosea and Gomer are going to be together, things are going to change. If God and Israel are going to be together, things are going to change. Change And so Hosea says, Gomer, if you're coming back, you have to be committed to me. You are my wife. Do not chase after other men. And so things are changing for, her, for Gomer. There's got to be a pruning, a reshaping. She cannot follow the, the passions that she has. She has to, to, to be committed to Hosea in the same way that, she, that he is committed to her. And so it is with Israel. God is going to ransom Israel, and then they must change. Things are going to change. There's going to be a pruning. And so there's this list here. It's a fascinating list. 
The children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, sacrifice, pillar, ephod, or household gods. Now some of these are, yes, you've got to stop doing that. You have got to stop worshiping household gods. You've got to stop chasing after other gods at my expense because I love you, I created you, I created this whole world. Leave those things behind. That makes sense. But he also says you're going to be without a king. Well, what about... We had good kings, King David, right? That's, that's a good thing. You want me to be without a king? Or you shall be without sacrifice. Well, God, you've, you've told us that we should sacrifice to you. But here's the deal. The kings, the sacrifices, the priestly system, all of it was distracting and actually driving Israel away from God. The things, the good things that God had given them, they had turned into bad things, ultimate things, and they were using them to seek other gods. And so God says there's going to be a pruning. There's going to be a taking away. You will not have these things for some time. Now, it's it's previewing the the exile when Israel is is exiled, and they don't have the temple. They don't have the land. They don't have the, the priestly system of sacrifices. It's just them and God. And through that, through that pruning, he woos them back. I think the order is fascinating here. Okay, many times we think that, that, that we punish first and then reconcile second. But here we have God reconciling first, paying the ransom, and then doing the pruning. I love you, and I'm going to give myself for you, and then I'm going to perfect your love. And it might be painful. There are things we're going to have to trim off. Dead limbs are going to have to come off the tree so that your love may be perfected. And so God is pruning Israel. And then we get to verse 5. Afterwards, this is the hope, the hope for the future. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So God ransoms Israel. He prunes them and perfects their love. And they look ahead to the latter days when they'll be given their king back. Their one true king in the line of David, right? When they'll be given their land and they will dwell in the presence of God forever. Look ahead to the days where they will fear and love the Lord and seek out his goodness. Because those days are coming. It's hard now. You're being pruned. You're being shaped and molded. And that's a painful thing. But one day, one day, your covenantal love, God's covenantal love, and Israel's passionate love, they'll they'll intersect. They'll come together. And there'll be this joyful reunion all the days to the ends of the earth where God and Israel are joined together. Friends, this is... at least seems to me quite clearly pointing us to Jesus. We are so often chasing after other gods. We've talked about these before, right? Power, success, money, lust. What are you pursuing that's getting in the way of your relationship with God? What is it? For some of you, it's minor things. For some of you, it's very major things. 
God has ransomed you. He has bought you. And the price on your life isn't a mere 30 shekels, but it's God's one and only beloved son, Jesus Christ. That he died for you. He died as a ransom for many so that you could live in relationship with God. And if you know that love, that ransoming love of God, then you can expect to be pruned. He's going to perfect your love. He's going to make it more pure and more holy. And you'll never reach it in this life. It'll always be imperfect. But one day it'll be fully perfect. But you should expect to be pruned. And there's things in your life God is going to ask you to willingly lay down. And you're going to say, no, I kind of like that. And then God might take it away from you. He might take it away. And it's painful, and it hurts, and there's grief, and there's mourning. But at the same time, God is perfecting you and shaping you so that you can love him perfectly and fully. And that, friends, is our hope, that we will be united under our one true king, Jesus Christ, and that we will dwell in the household of God forever. And on that day, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more suffering and no more mourning. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more idol worship and chasing after other gods. There will only be Christ. The new city, the new and holy Jerusalem. We will dwell with him and worship him and live in his presence forever. Friends, that's our hope. It might be hard now and painful now. But the hope is that one joyful day of fulfillment and life everlasting with Jesus Christ. And may that hope of things to come shape us and prune us in the days ahead.